It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Game day on Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Vikings play real football tonight against Buffalo. My name's Sam Ekstrom, here to give you some listening content to pass the time until that elusive 6 o'clock kickoff on the East Coast. It's a Vikings mailbag day on Locked On Vikings. Thank you, everybody, for the queries and the participation via Twitter and via Facebook. We really appreciate that. And a quick reminder before we get going, we will be doing some live shows on Facebook in the coming weeks. And if you want to see those on the Locked On Podcast Network Facebook account, just head there and like it. You'll have access to all the live shows, including this one, Locked On Vikings. And I assume those shows will take a similar format to this with a little Q&A. And our first question comes from at 99 underscore OVR. Do you think R.J. Shelton could make the 53-man roster? He's been looking really good in camp. Some quick background on Shelton. He's about 5'10", 200 pounds out of Michigan State. He was one of their top three receivers last year. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. And I agree. He did look very good in camp. He was crisp in his routes, and he had pretty good hands. But the numbers aren't going to work out for R.J. Shelton, unfortunately, I would say of other fringe receivers, he's probably behind Isaac Frickty, probably behind Caleb Jones, and that doesn't include the draft picks, Stacey Coley and Rodney Adams, both of which will probably have precedent just based on the investment the team has in them. And you don't need to be huge to be a good receiver, but Shelton's size definitely works against him here. He is about the size of Mackenzie Alexander doesn't have much ability to go up and get balls and I think he's probably got about a 30% chance to make the practice squad but he's pretty far down that depth chart and he's one of those guys that is just around in case a couple people get hurt I don't think the Vikings will retain Shelton and keep in mind that he may have looked good in camp but he was also competing against the third team and that has to be taken into consideration I don't know how well he would do against some more physical corners like Xavier Rhodes or even Trey Waynes. From Michael Cox, at Maniacal Mike, who are the 8-9 to nine D-line guys that we keep? That's a good range of guys, 8 or 9. I think it's definitely going to be one of those two. I have 9, just because I think there are a lot of valuable pieces that you don't want to lose on that defensive line. So here are the locks. Everson Griffin, Brian Robison, Linval Joseph, Tom Johnson, Daniil Hunter. Then I think Dayton Jones is very likely. 
I think Shamar Stefan is very likely. He is he's had a great camp. And the team liked him a lot early in last season. I think he tailed off toward the end. But the fact that they have Jones and Tom Johnson means that Stefan shouldn't be asked too often to be a, a pass rusher. He's more of the nose guy. He won't be playing alongside Linval, but he can be spelling Linval in that defensive tackle rotation. I think Steven Weatherly's going to make it. There was one day when he got first team reps on the D end. His measurables are incredible. He's got a great motor on the outside. And then the last spot is up for grabs between Jaleel Johnson, Afadi Odenabo, or Will Sutton, that new tackle they brought in. I don't think Sutton makes it because I think when given the choice between Sutton and Johnson, they're going to go with Jaleel because he's a fourth-round pick. And having back-to-back years cutting a fourth-round pick with Beavers last year and Johnson this year, that would be a bad look. I think Odenabo is probably a practice squad submission. He's had good moments, but I just don't think the numbers work out. When you have so many veteran locks, there just isn't much room on this roster. So I'll give preference to Jaleel Johnson. And the crazy thing is, is that there's nine guys there and not one of them is named Sharif Floyd. What if Sharif comes around? I don't think he's that close. Still hasn't done much rehab, and it's even to the point where he is riding a motorized bike around campus at Mankato. Everyone else is riding standard bicycles around. Appears clear to me that he's not in a position where he can pedal a bike effectively or without aggravating something. Maybe he just likes to go around in a motorized bike. That could also be the case. That's not confirmed, but just using the power of observation, he's the only guy not with a normal bike. And I got to think it's for a medical reason. So I say no to Sutton, no to Odenabo. I'll get Johnson through. I'll get Weatherly through. Those are your eight and ninth guys. Question from Cody B at Star. Is Jarius Wright a trade candidate? There were rumors he was being shot last preseason and were deep at wide receiver again this year. Interestingly, I wrote about this a couple days ago at zonecoverage.com. Wright has been the forgotten receiver. A lot of people forget that he was a key cog in 2015 and 2014 on offense. Here are the numbers that stand out to me. In 2014, 19.5 yards per reception on third down. The majority of his catches the pat those two years came on third downs. In 2015, he wasn't quite as good, but 15.1 yards per reception on third down. Now compare that to last year. I think Diggs was around 10 yards per reception. I think Thielen was about 14. So Wright was not only getting free on third down, but he was borderline explosive. And I know that big average, 19.5, that's thrown off by an 87-yard touchdown he had, but but nonetheless, there's a big, there's a multi-season sample size of Wright being very good on third down. The team has come to bat for him, and he has come out vocally for himself and said, and this is a quote, if anybody thinks that I'm not going to make this team, they're an idiot. Some strong words, but he said it. And I feel like the team has enough confidence in him. He's under contract through 2019 that they could need him. And here's where they might need him. Let's say Laquan Treadwell's injury lingers. Maybe he re-aggravates it. Or maybe he's just not ready to take that starting wide receiver spot. 
first four games of the year, you don't have Michael Floyd. So if you have no Floyd and either you don't have Treadwell or you don't want Treadwell, then you're going to need Jarius Wright. Stefan Diggs could maybe bump to the outside and play the split end, put Wright where he's more comfortable in the slot, Wright, Thielen, and Diggs. I think that's a very real scenario. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Question from Sean Haggerty at 10K Beers. I'm worried about safety depth. In 2016, we struggled in the secondary when Smith or Sendejo was injured. Has Tocho or Harris shown anything in camp? Referring to Jack Tocho and Anthony Harris. You know, the one you're forgetting there, Jaron Curse. I like the improvement that I've seen from Jaron, and he and Anthony Harris have been the clear second team tandem. I think Tocho is probably going to be sniffing at a practice squad spot here. So the question is, of Harris or Curse, which one's your first guy off the bench? So last year they tried both off the bench, and Harris was probably the steadier option. I think Curse has a higher upside as a splash player. He's a big hitter. He's rangy, can get his arms in the way of passes. But he sometimes sometimes bites in the wrong spot and takes bad angles like we saw against Chicago last year. I think there's definitely a drop-off from Sendejo, Harrison Smith, to Harris Curse. I would like Curse to be that first guy off the bench, but I think it's going to end up being Anthony Harris. Question from Facebook, John Schmidt, inquiring, will Dalvin Cook be a three-down back to start the season? Let me put it this way. I think that's the aspiration. I don't think it's necessarily the reality right away. When you have McKinnon in a contract year, when you have Latavius Murray, who you brought in and given over $3 million guaranteed, you're going to use them. You have three running backs. You have great incentive to use all of them. And you can retool things next year. If you want to simplify it and go down to two instead of having three, that makes sense. A lot of teams struggle to have three-headed attacks. I still think that Dalvin Cook's going to have a little bit of work to do in pass protection. And no need to freak out, but there were some drop issues in camp. There were some route depth issues, running too far, and the hands weren't quite as sturdy as you would want. I think on third down, you're going to see a lot of Murray, especially in short yardage, and I think you'll still see a lot of McKinnon. McKinnon has really improved in pass protection, and I think he's probably got better hands than Cook at this point, and he's just as good in the open field. So if McKinnon's healthy, he's going to be used. I think like a 45-30-25 split if you're going percentage of the pie. I think Cook might get the 45, but then McKinnon's going to get the 30. Murray might get the 25. How about that? James Canope asks, do you think the Vikings offense would rather have Sam long-term or see Teddy get better ASAP and get back in? Loaded question. I think the Vikings... If you ask them at a time when Teddy was healthy last year, if if you said, would you rather have Sam Bradford at this age, and this is what he'll do for you, or Teddy, I think they would have taken Teddy. But the NFL is all about assurances. 
And right now, the health of Teddy is not assured long-term. They don't know how he'll respond when he gets back out on the field. Now, if things go Teddy's way, and let's say Bradford either implodes or gets hurt, and Teddy took control of this team again, I think the Vikings would be fine with that. So if something were if something were to happen this year where Teddy found his way onto the field and performed well, and then the Vikings got to make a choice with two free agent quarterbacks, I think they would steer Teddy. Now, obviously, that's that's a bit of a long shot scenario. That means Sam goes down, Teddy comes back and plays well. That'd be a fairy tale. That'd be a Hollywood script. Could happen. Quarterbacks get unseated all the time. Look at 1998, Minnesota Vikings. Brad Johnson had not yet turned 30 when that season started. Randall Cunningham was 35. Obviously, of the two, Brad Johnson has more upside, clearly. But Randall Cunningham was the right choice then. And the Vikings sort of burnt their bridge with Johnson to go with Cunningham, the guy that got them to the NFC Championship game. Was it the right move long term? Maybe not. Brad Johnson went and won a Super Bowl. Vikings drafted Dante Culpepper, had some good years, but he faded by 2005, and they've really been searching ever since. Tom Brady unseats Drew Bledsoe. Things just happen. And I think right now, Teddy has been unseated, but that's not to say the Vikings wouldn't mind seeing Bridgewater reclaim his spot, but that's only going to happen if something bad happens to Sam. The Vikings are not going to upset the current status quo. Bridgewater is not going to come back and take the job away from from Sam if Sam continues to play at the level he's playing at. There would have to be a massive shift. And the last one, David Morris asks, will the D live up to the deserved hype? I think so. I think it will. And I think people got a sour taste in their mouth with the two really bad games end of last season. But Mike Zimmer was asked a question during training camp about this, and he said to the reporter who asked it, hey, Let's keep it in perspective. We only had two bad games. Everything else was pretty good, and he's right. Now, there were some second-half lapses that I think you can definitely nitpick, but altogether, it was a top-10 defense last year, and they return most everybody. Nickel corner still a question mark. To be honest, I think the on-field play replacing Chad Greenway will probably be on par, if not better, than what Greenway did last year. The leadership might lack. But the pieces are right there. You've got 9 of 11 defensive starters returning. The worry might be depth in the secondary. Every NFL season is is often determined by injuries, and if there's an, an injury or two, then this team could run into some trouble. If there's one at safety, and maybe even linebacker too. The Vikings are extremely young at linebacker, and if Barr or Kendricks goes down, then you're going to be tossing someone in who has virtually no experience. That's why I think Emmanuel Lemur might be working his way onto this roster just because he's the one guy who's been around the block a little bit. Even if his skills may, may not be up to par, he's been in Zimmer's system for a while. So if the defense stays healthy, I think they're top five. Some injuries happen, that could slip a little bit. So far, so good. Thanks for all the questions, everybody. Good show, good talkers. Vikings Bills tonight, and a complete recap for you. In the morning, I'll be scribbling furiously in the notebook tonight with all my observations. Can't wait to see what happens. Can't wait to see what Dalvin Cook can produce. Can't wait to see what Taylor Heineke can produce. And all these fringe guys we've been talking about, the guys that right now 
some are writing off from this roster, can they find a way to work their way back onto the roster? Sometimes when the lights come on, you don't know how guys will react. Practice players can get clammy in games. And guys who aren't great in practice can rise to another level. So what will happen tonight? Vikings Bills, 6 o'clock. My name's Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Audio Boom. We'd love it if you left a rating. It would be really helpful to us to get your feedback. Thank you. Talk to you on Friday. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.